Welcome to Inspiration to Publication with your host and award-winning editor, Caroline Smith. Now, here's Caroline. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Inspiration to Publication. Today, we're going to be talking about things that I've seen a lot of questions about recently, like can you use song titles in uh, or songs in general in your books or poems or things along those lines? And basically, the answer is no, but we're going to dive into that in this episode, Ask for Permission, Not Forgiveness. So sit tight, get ready to maybe take some notes, and let's get started. So typically the maxim is ask for forgiveness, not permission, right? And in most situations, I would say that that maxim is true and correct. The major exception to that is when we're talking about writing. Now, if you remember back from your high school or college writing days, When you were writing back then and you were writing an academic research paper, you were always asked to cite your sources. Writing in the real world is absolutely no different. Anytime you're using anyone else's thoughts, ideas, or words that are not your own and did not come from your own brain, you must cite your sources. So let's talk about this area of permission, okay, in addition to citations, because it falls along the same category. So let's start with using citations in a book. So the the way that we do this in nonfiction writing is with footnotes, typically. Uh, the Chicago Manual of Style, which is the publishing Bible, essentially, for pub- uh, traditional publishing and non-traditional publishing, um, asks us to use Chicago, and it's sometimes called Turabian, um, for the citation style for footnotes. And then, of course, we create a bibliography. So if you're doing any type, like academic type writing, um, then your editor will probably handle this for you. Um, Similarly, in traditional publishing, your editor will probably help you with this, but you would be responsible for providing all of the citations. Uh, And what I mean by that is, How are they going to put the footnotes in? They're going to need all of that information. Um, And that's going to vary from publisher to publisher and editor to editor. So certainly when you're looking at editors and publishers, if you are heavily citing outside information, then you're going to need to talk to them about that early on and ask what their requirements are for that. Sometimes if you're publishing in a journal, uh, especially a trade journal, Um, They'll ask for a different style, maybe APA or MLA. But for now, let's just stick with Chicago because it's the most commonly accepted in terms of publishing. And just know and understand that even if you're paraphrasing someone and the words and ideas don't come from you, you must cite your sources. This works in fiction as well, but we call it something a little bit different. So you have probably seen often in books that there's will be a quote at the beginning of the book or a quote at the beginning of a chapter that comes from someone else. Typically, this is called an epigraph, specifically when it's in the front matter of the book, meaning before the book starts. And they're also called epigraphs in the chapter starts as well. But we, the line where we use uh, the name of the person, it's got a little in dash and then the name of the person next to that underneath the quote, it's called an attribution line. So if you've pulled 
a quote from somewhere um, to use in your chapter opening line, um, then that would also need to be, you would need to definitely make sure that you have that attribution line there. Often in fiction, you're not going to be quoting from some other source. You might quote, you know, I've seen authors quote Shakespeare or a poem or something along those lines. Now, you don't have to go so far in fiction as to say, you know, the name of the book. You don't have to do the citations in the same way. It's enough to just say, you know, something about Maya Angelou and the Cage Bird Sings, let's say, for example, um, as long as you're putting her name close to the title of her work. Um, or including her name in some way so that we know that that's where that comes from. So permissions. <clears throat> when we use uh, things like poems, you can use a few lines from poems, very minimally. Um, when we use songs, can't really use songs, and we'll get into the nitty gritty of this. Um, or if you're, let's say, doing nonfiction and you want to quote um, someone else's work. The general rule of thumb in quoting someone else's work is that you can't use more than a chapter of a previously written um, document uh, in your own work without asking them for permission. So you would need to write to the original author and ask them if it's okay to use a certain amount of text in your book. Let's say, you know, this again is probably more um, acceptable for nonfiction, you really wouldn't be quoting someone at this length somewhere else. The only exception to this rule, this one chapter rule is the Bible. You can use about 1500 different verses from the Bible before um, you have to write to the publisher of that Bible and ask for permission. And 1500, obviously, is quite a lot. Now, do keep in mind that if you are citing from anything in the Bible, you just need to state on the copyright page which version you're using. And I would encourage you to use only one version. It's just so much easier that way because otherwise, every time you use a different version, you do have to cite separately in parentheses what version you're using if it's not the standard that you've kind of set the groundwork for. So what does it mean to write to ask for permission? So I had a client not too long ago that wanted to use an entire poem. And there are publishing companies that have entire rights and permissions departments. So if you're traditionally publishing, they will most likely handle this for you. If you are not traditionally publishing, then this information is really important. So you would need to try to find out if that person is still living and write to them and ask for permission to use their work. Sometimes they're really wonderful and gracious about it, and they say yes. Um, you know, obviously you have to make sure you're including their name or the title of the book that you're quoting from or the book of poems. Um, but also, and, and sometimes they'll tell you, you know, how they want to be attributed in your book. Sometimes you have to write to the publishing company. Um, in some cases, you have to write to a music company if you want to use lyrics. Lyrics are basically verboten. They're forbidden. Just don't use them. And the music industry is very litigious um, when it comes to things like this. And so if you have not written to permission from the music company, just expect a cease and desist letter and they will ask you to remove those lines. Um, so... That's the general idea. No song lyrics. You can name the song, the title of the song, just not the song lyrics themselves. Now, again, 
poems and other things that you might be writing for permission for, sometimes they will ask you to pay a certain amount for that permission. I've seen as little as $50 um, to to use someone else's work. I've seen as much as $5,000 to use someone else's work. I did have an author a few years ago who really wanted to use um, Disney song lyrics, and we ended up writing to the Disney permissions department, and um, they were very kind, um, but they said in no uncertain terms, no, we could not use those lyrics. Um, So, you know, everybody's different. The reason that they give permissions or don't give permissions is very different, but this is the one of those cases where you need to ask for permission and not forgiveness, because if you've gone ahead and published your entire book, then you could find lots of delays in terms of a cease and desist letter, pulling it from sale for a little while, and then, you know, making sure that everything is squared away before it can be re-released again. Um, And you don't want to get in any kind of legal trouble in publishing. So please make sure that if this is something that's really important to you, you find out who wrote the book, Um, and try to get permission. Now, obviously, there are going to be cases where this is not going to work, right? Um, And there are things that fall into public domain. Now, public domain is pretty much anything published before 1977 at this point. Um, It's about 50 years after the work has been published. 1903 is also a really good gauge if it's anything after, or maybe we're into the 30s now. Um, but, um, just make sure if it's in the public domain, it's, it's free for you to use. Um, and a lot of times, um, permissions departments in publishing companies and, and, or authors themselves, if you write directly to them, will tell you that as long as it's being used for educational purposes, then you don't have to have permission for it. And by educational purposes, I mean like in a textbook or it's not being sold, um, to, for, for any retail price, right? Um, but in certain cases, you're going to have works that are either in the public domain and the author has passed. However, you always need to check because copyright law has changed and the life of copyright now is the life of the author plus 90 years. So that doesn't mean that everything is in the public domain, even if an author has passed. So if it's, if they've passed after 1977, then the work, their work, is probably held by their estate. Could be held by the publishing company. In some cases, publishing companies do retain estate rights, especially if there's no family to leave the work to. So you always need to try to check and double-check who is holding that permission. Um, And again, like I said, sometimes it's the publishing company. Sometimes you can write to the publishing company and ask them who holds the rights um, and they'll let you know so that you can do, you know, permissions. And like I said, traditional publishing companies have entire um, sections of their publishing company devoted to rights and permissions. Some of the smaller publishing companies, independent presses, things like that, you should just be able to send them a quick email asking about rights and permissions if the book has been independently published or published with a small or hybrid press, and they should be able to get an answer to you relatively quickly. So that's the first type of permission, right? Basically, the the permission that you need to reach out and ask for There's a separate type of permission that I do want to talk about 
in this whole rights and permissions thing, which is your rights and permissions as a published author. So you've probably heard the term subsidiary rights. What does that mean? Now, if you're just starting out in your publishing or writing journey, this is not going to mean a whole lot to you. But if you've moved in toward the area of where you're either considering self-publishing, hybrid publishing, traditional publishing, then this is something that you do want to pay attention to. And if you haven't already signed a contract with a publisher, that's great. If you have already signed a contract with a publisher, then, you know, you may want to go back and check your contract for this information. So the rights that you hold as a writer, and this again ties into that whole copyright thing and something to think about, when your copyright is filed, you need to also consider who your copyright will go to when you pass. And I know that sounds a little bit morbid, but it's really just very practical. Who are you going to leave your work to? Your children, just an estate, all of those things. Because in future, if someone does want to do something with your work, who are they going to be able to get in touch with, right? So your permissions as an author basically say that you hold the rights. Now, this is going to be different depending on the type of publishing that you've chosen. Sometimes the publishing companies hold the rights. But often in those rights, there are subsidiary rights, which means that either the publishing company or the author themselves get to choose what happens with their title. And typically this is things like movies, right? If you're going to be granting rights for the book to be turned into a movie, if it can be reproduced as an audiobook. Um, if you can reproduce small portions of it in for marketing purposes or in journals or blogs online. So those are all of the rights that you hold. So there are the rights that you, the, excuse me, the permissions that you need to receive and the permissions that you hold. And so you and or your publisher basically have um, the freedom to say if you want this to be turned into a movie or, you know, if you want it to be used for other things. And you can certainly tell your publisher no. Um, And also just make sure that if anyone is asking you for rights to your book, and if you have published traditionally, your publisher should tell you that this is happening. But just be sure you look over the contract. Um, Because what you don't want to have is that all of your permissions and stake in the version of this gets changed in any way. And obviously we do see that that happens with movies because we can't take a book, a full length book and typically turn it into a full length movie. Um, Much to our disappointment (laughs) as book readers and movie watchers, I'm sure. Um, But, you know, things like, you know, they're not going to take creative control if it's republished as an article in a magazine, let's say they're not going to take most of what you've written and then change it into something else. It would need to state that it's the work can be reprinted or reproduced in its whole entire format up to a certain chapter or page length or whatever, because you don't want people playing with your words, right? It's a misrepresentation of you as a writer. So this also gives you the opportunity, and if you're self-published, you may have people that come to you and say, hey, can I use this part of your book you know, asking you for permission. Now, that's not the gold standard, unfortunately. A lot of people don't ask for permission. But if you do have people coming to you asking for permission, then you should think about what it is you're going to 
give them or not give them and or if you're going to ask for some type of payment toward permissions. And your publisher, if you have a publisher, already has this handled. But if you are self-publishing, then this is something you do need to think about down the line. If someone comes to you and asks for permission, what are you going to say? Um, and are you going to charge them for it or not? That's totally up to you as an author. If you are traditionally published, you might ask your publishing company what their um, standard operating procedure is for permissions. And it's probably in your contract somewhere, but it would probably be good for you to know as well, because then, you know, if your publishing company says, well, we're going to charge $2,000 for someone who asked for permissions, you might have a problem with that and you might want to do something different. So that's definitely a question to ask before you sign your contract. But if you already have, that's okay. Just follow up with them and see what it is they're asking for in terms of permissions, okay? So reading of these contracts is incredibly important no matter how you publish, and especially important if you're self-publishing because you need to know who really owns the rights to your book if you are self-publishing. I have a whole podcast coming up in a couple weeks on self-publishing, but I do want you to know that even when you're self-publishing, you need to read the fine print. Because sometimes, especially on an exclusive publishing format like Amazon KDP, you can only publish with them for a certain amount of time. And you definitely need to read the fine print on how much time that is, what about rights and permissions, what can you do with your work after that time, etc., etc., etc. Very, very important to make sure that you understand in your contract what your what standards you are being held to. And so often, even with our own authors, they'll ask a question that's in the contract or ask lots of different questions that are in the contract. And then I'll kind of, you know, it clicks in my head, oh, they haven't really read through the contract. And so I'll take some time and I'll take a day, not a full day, obviously, but we'll have a meeting and I'll say, let's read through the contract and make sure you understand exactly what's happening. And I do realize that not all companies do that. They want to slide a contract in front of you and they want you to sign it without really reading the fine print. But I don't like there to be any surprises for our authors. And I want them to know exactly what they've signed. So it's very important to us as a company that they're very aware of what's happening in their process and after the book has been published because we don't want those surprises for them. Or we don't want them to think that they... You know, if somebody does come to us and says, you know, we want to turn this into a movie, we don't want them to be surprised and say, I didn't know you guys had the opportunity to do that or something like that. That's kind of an extreme example, but, um, you know, nonetheless, we don't want them to be surprised. And that also stands to the integrity of the company in general. But please make sure you're reading your contracts and reading all of the fine print. Have an attorney review the contract with you. There are entertainment attorneys that just do this. Similarly, there are copyright attorneys that only do copyright rights and permissions. So if you ever have questions about this, you can find an, a, a copyright attorney in your area that will help you navigate this world of who do I need to ask about this? Um, can I get permissions? Well, they, the publishing company said that I could get permission, but it's going to be this. How do I handle this? You always want to make sure that you are crossing those T's and dotting those I's and doing your due diligence when it comes to your book. And you thought it was just writing, right? <laughs>
you didn't realize there were so many legal implications uh, that you needed to consider in this. And I do talk a lot more about this in copyright in general um, in the copyright copy wrong podcast episode that I have. But I want that there. This is so much information, you guys, and publishing. There's a reason that there are people in this in- industry that are experts in their field. Um, and I don't take my job lightly. And I understand that there is a huge learning curve. And there's so much to know and remember. And it's virtually impossible to try to absorb all of that when you're writing. And you shouldn't necessarily have to. Now, there are people that do when they're self-publishing. And, and that's totally fine. And there are people that do when they're hybrid publishing. But you should know this no matter which way you try to publish. And talking with an agent, the same thing can be said with them. Definitely read the fine print and contracts as far as that's concerned as well. But just make sure that you're aware. There's so much information on the internet that's misleading, number one, and contradictory, number two. And then you ask in Facebook groups and people will tell you different things, but they're not experts and they don't really know what they're talking about. And so it's really hard to know what's correct. So my hope is at the end of the day that at least I'm giving you information that is industry standard according to Chicago Manual of Style. I'm li- I literally have Chicago Manual open on my desk right now looking at these sections on copyrights and permissions. And this is what the industry follows. So I want to make sure that you guys understand exactly what needs to happen without hearing so many different sources on the internet that are giving you bad information, unfortunately. Now, that's not to say that I am the end-all be-all, but I do want you to do your research, find out what works best. When it comes to rights and permissions, though, there's really no other option. Song lyrics are a no-no. A couple of lines of a poem, the standard is about two, can be used. Just name, you know, give attribution, cite your sources, ask for permission, not forgiveness, because you don't want something to blow up and have issues down the line, right? One other thing I wanted to mention is that um, I have been doing little author tidbits on my Instagram page most Fridays. I try to do every Friday, but you can find a lot of this information on there too. The podcast just allows me the opportunity to expand on these. These are just little five-minute videos, and um, you can follow me on Instagram at editor underscore Caroline, and I'll put... Um, a link in the show notes so you can find that easily. But hop on over there and join me and see if any of those little five-minute tidbits are going to be helpful to you in your writing process. So I hope this information about copyright, permissions, rights, subsidiary rights has been helpful. I am not an attorney. Uh, Disclaimer, (laughs) as we know, I've said that in several podcasts. Um, So if you need more clarity about this, please find a copyright attorney or an entertainment attorney that can help you navigate this um, a little bit better. Or you could go pick up a a copy of the Chicago Manual of Style, which has an amazing section, um, several chapters dedicated to copyright, subsidiary rights, permissions, all of those things. Um, and it's a great resource to have no matter how you're publishing, because it's what your publisher is going to use if you're traditionally published. And it's probably information you need to know if you're hybrid or self-publishing anyway. So keep that in mind. Um, there's also an online version that you can, I think, do a free 90 day trial. At least last I checked, you could. 
Um, so let knowledge be your guide. Use the tools that you have at your disposal. Ask for help. Don't try to go this route alone, especially when it comes to legal things. Please make sure that you have someone in your corner that's going to be able to help you navigate through this. All right. So thank you so much for joining me. Um, Please do take a minute and see if there's anything in your manuscript that might be considered problematic. There are also things, we haven't talked about this today, trademarking, but I will just say that there are some things in your manuscript where you may want to have a trademark symbol. Um, and that's really easy to implement, but, um, you know, otherwise just try to be generic, especially if you're doing fiction, it's just easier that way. Next week, we're going to talk about do's and don'ts of dialogue. I talked a little bit about this in my five W's for fiction writers podcast episode, but I want to get into this a little bit more in terms of dialogue and how kind of best practices for how to write dialogue. So stay tuned. Thanks so much for listening and I'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Inspiration to Publication with Caroline Smith. For more information or to contact Caroline, go to editorcaroline.com. Today's episode was brought to you by Rhapsody in Blooms, specializing in elegant weddings and events across the Southeast. For more information, visit rhapsodyinblooms.com.